0: what's up you guys sean Rossat, managing editor at fightfulmma.com and we have a big weekend for you we had not necessarily a big weekend but lots of stuff going on last weekend we're going to talk about it showdown joe fresh off the the plane from japan he was there for rising we had ufc st petersburg we're going to recap that uh pretty quickly but this weekend man bellator's bringing the heat with a very very good card uh I've spoken to some people on that show. Uh, James has as well, and then there's also UFC uh, Fort Lauderdale. You know, people coming out of the woodworks to woodwork to uh, say, "Oh, I'm not surprised." TJ Dillashaw got caught. We'll talk about that.
1: But Joe, how you feeling? Are you jet lagged? Uh, Actually, no. I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm tired. I'm a little exhausted. You know, physically, I you know, it's a bad day when I can't work out because the body's I know is not going to handle it. I don't want to get sick. But uh, jet lag, yeah, passed out early last night. Kind of, I feel like I'm caught up, but. One more night of sleep will be fine, but I'm glad to be back.
0: Well, we're glad to have you back. We are also joined by James Lynch. James, how are
2: you? I'm awesome. Glad to be here. Lots to talk about. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good week of fights for sure. I mean, this this weekend's fights give us an excuse to talk about John Fitch
0: cutting the dicks off of action figures again.
2: Of course, that's the type of hard-hitting stuff you get here at Fightful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got a dick pill sponsorship on the other shows. So, I mean, it, it's natural. Also, I just landed, get this a robot litter box sponsorship in which I am extremely thrilled about. But uh, you guys will hear about that in the coming weeks. We have actual fight stuff to talk about. Uh, Joseph Benavidez, guys, is the latest Team Alpha Male member to come out and say, oh, yeah, I'm not that surprised that TJ Dillashaw got caught. I'm I'm surprised he didn't get caught sooner.
2: More than what he said, James, how does that sit with you? Yeah, I, I kind of see both sides of it, to be honest. I know people aren't going to like the diplomatic answer here. But I mean, if you're a teammate of someone, you're on that team, you're going in there every day, you can't just go and, you know, rat the guy out. But then on the same on the same token as well, like, you're in this sport, you're a competitor, like, I'm sure it would just, it would piss him off. And I saw a tweet that he had, and, he, and it kind of made sense, where he's like, you know what, I haven't talked to TJ in two, three years. That's why I'm saying this now. Like I, I, once I knew that was going on, you know, I distanced myself, like he hasn't been at alpha male for a while. And, um, and I, I think, you know, maybe that's when it started. I, I'm sure that wasn't the exact reason that he left and, you know, went to different places uh, to train, but, um, you know, certainly I, I can see sort of uh, both, both ends of the equation there, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, you're, you're also incriminating your team as well. Like who's to say you, everyone should be under suspicion at that point. If everyone knew who knows who who was doing it. Know Yo, your thoughts,
1: everything James just said, right like it's one of those things when you're with a teammate and you're potentially aware or you know uh, that he may be you know doing performance enhancing drugs, what does that say technically about you? Are you doing it are others doing it uh, you know there's loyalty there's honor, don't say nothing, and we all you know we're all in this for the same thing uh, but then after he comes out to say it, you know now now again, what is it saying about yourself and your teammates and the program there and then the whole Team ethics, right? So it's it's tough to say. I mean, like, like I said before in the previous show, uh, after we were able to discuss it, uh, it's not the first time I've heard about TJ Dillashaw potentially taking performance enhancing drugs. Uh, it's also not the first time I've heard countless amount of mixed martial artists in the UFC or just outside of the UFC as well uh, that are taking performance enhancing drugs. The whole thing goes way back to when uh, we wanted you know potentially VADA to get involved, instead they chose USADA, uh, and you know many people were happy, but really, what's what's truly come out of it guys are getting caught girls are getting caught they're getting suspended uh but let's not be surprised when we find out uh, some people have been trying to cheat the system and eventually get caught
0: i mean I've, I've spoken pretty openly there was one person in particular that trained alongside us i wouldn't necessarily say they were part of our team but they were very open about their their ped use and this was probably nine ten years ago that's when i got to discover the difference in training with someone when they were on and off the gas, because we knew when he was on and off the gas. But as far as I know, nobody else on our team ever did that, or at least it wasn't open. We didn't exactly go out and, and tell people, hey, he's he's doing this, he's doing this. But I mean, he it is it is a weird moral dynamic because the way that I had looked at it personally was it doesn't affect me. I, I'm dealing with it maybe an hour or two a week. Maybe they see it that way, but... I think it's a bad look, especially with Chad Mendez also popping a couple years ago. It, it is a rough look, but uh, UFC St. Petersburg was not a rough look. That was a fun show to watch. There was an, a little stretch in the middle of the show where we had uh, a few decisions in a row. We had Sultan Ali retire off of a win, just said, I don't have time for this anymore. <laughs> Other than that, we had Overeem rope doping Alexi Olenek like, as if you look at my tweets during that fight I was like man over got clipped and he doesn't seem to care he, it seems like he's rope-a-doping Olenek and he was taking all these punches I saw that Matt Roth said why does Olenek punch like it's the 90s <laughs> which uh, I thought was a, a nice touch when Olenek's in there and he's pulling guard right out of the chute James and doesn't get what he wants I had a feeling it was going to be downhill from there well, what did you think of this fight
2: yeah, uh, great performance by Alistair Overeem, uh, another nice win for him getting, uh, you know, closer and closer potentially to another title shot, we'll see, uh, you know, the heavyweight division is a bit of a mess right now, but yeah, I mean, I, I think when we were breaking this fight down, we sort of saw the fact that there was a clear pact of victory for Overeem, where if he just kept it standing, it was his fight to take, I mean, Olinic wins all of his fights by submission, if it's not going to the ground, chances are not good he's going to win the fight, so, uh, you know, good for him, and good for Olinic. I mean, for taking this fight as well as short notice, He's 41 years old. He's fought everyone pretty much, even Chael Sonnen, like way back in, <laughs> I, I, you know, ages ago. So Noted uh,
0: heavyweight Chael Sonnen.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, so you know, I, I mean, this this was a good result for the UFC. I mean, had a Linux one. I mean, I don't think anyone was, you know, clamoring to see him fight for a title anytime soon. And Overeem's the, you know, the cash cow. And, and I think this was good for him to, you know, get another big fight, uh, you know, after this.
0: Alistair Overeem is one of the most well-rounded heavyweights there are, and he doesn't get enough credit for that because of his hands and, quite frankly, his chin at, at, some, at some aspects of his career. For a guy who got clipped and was like, you know what, we're going to ride it out, we're going to let him get tired, and then we're going to finish him, Joe, it, it it proved a bit of, of grit and metal, I think, in, in Alistair Overeem. He's now won two fights in a row, and he is always a guy that if he's got a win or two in a row and somebody gets hurt about four weeks out of a fight, you can slide Alistair Overeem in there and nobody's going to be like, how dare you do that? Uh, what do you see in Overeem's future, Joe? Well,
1: it's tough to say with Alistair because he's been up and down. He's competed for the title. He's won uh, every championship that's not labeled UFC. So he, he's still a tough guy. Uh, I mean, his last two losses obviously was that devastation against Francis and Ghanu and then the domination sort of of, of Curtis Blades uh, with those TKOs. So in essence, Like you said, you can slide Alistair Overeem uh, into any main event slot, any heavyweight fight. Uh, Heck, you can put him in a title fight, and I don't think people would complain too much. They would, but he still has it. You you just never know what he can bring to the table. Now, we should be prudent in saying, look at the two victories that he just, you know, he's riding a two-fight win streak, but look at the caliber that he's faced off against, okay? So we need to sort of respect that. But that's not to say that he can't jump in there uh, and take on someone in the upper echelon of the division because it is, again, it is heavyweight. He's what? He's ranked number six right now. Is that is this recent? Um, he's ranked number six right now. So, yeah, I, I don't have any problems with Alistair Overeem taking on any of these top guys. Again, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, he called out uh, Volkov.
0: Yes, the, the, that was the original fight scheduled
1: for this yeah. show. Right. So get her done.
0: I, I like that. I, I think it should happen. It makes a lot of sense. Elsewhere on the show, Islam Makachev defeated uh, Armand. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because I <laughs> can't, but Armand didn't look terrible in, in losing in this fight. It was a little more back and forth than than uh, many expected. Sergey Pavlovich picked up a win over Marcelo Gome, Pavlovich returning to the form in which many uh, expected that he was before the Overeem fight. Roxanne Modaferi defeated Antonina Shevchenko. What a story Roxanne Modaferi has. Uh, Christoph Jotko defeated Emedovsky. Uh, Did anything particularly stand out to you on this main card outside of that main event, James?
2: Uh, a couple things. First off, uh, Volkov, I don't think we'll get that fight with Overeem. Uh, it hasn't really been reported that widely, but I read a report somewhere that it was USADA related that he was taken Ooh. off the card. So uh, I you know, I think we need to look a little deeper into that because I, I never heard an injury. I never heard an illness, anything like that. And there was one report that said it was USADA related. So I don't know if that's 100% true, but just keep that in mind as far as uh, booking that fight. Um, I thought Makashev looked great. I'd like to see him against uh, you know, a more notable guy. This is kind of a weird matchup just in the sense that you have two young guys looking to break out. And I guess they thought that... Our man would have a good performance, which he did. So it kind of raises his stock, even though he lost. Pavlovich looks great. Uh, Mataferi, great story here. I still don't think she's a title contender, but uh, you know, it's still a nice story, just the way she's turned her career around. Um, and and yeah, I mean, as, as far as the main card goes, I think sort of the big story was was Antonia Shoshenko losing. Um, you know, her. Uh, I won't say what she was hyped up, but I think that clearly uh, having the last name, she did. There was a lot of promise there, and you know, she's not like a young prospect. She's you know, she's thirty four. It's not polite to talk about a woman's age, but when it's in, in MMA, I don't think that grappling in the ground game is going to improve anytime soon. So yeah. um, really, I mean, she's got to figure it out. And I think this just shows that she'll never be in that upper echelon. And she doesn't really need to because her sister holds the title.
0: That's a very good point. Uh, on the prelims, as I mentioned, Sultan Alive retired. You have Abdurakimov with a good finish over Marcin Tybura. Aleksechek finished Antigulov real quick. And then Mustafia defeated Fiziev with a spinning back kick that quite honestly looked like it was blocked at first, but uh, that was a nice one. Joe, anything else on this show really uh, jump off the page?
1: Uh, well, yeah, what, what James was saying. So first things first, uh, I didn't have a chance to watch the full show, but I did catch some highlights. Uh, I definitely want <clears throat> to spend some time. I just, there is no time. There's, there's no Wi-Fi <laughs> on the plane. So I wasn't able to watch uh, the full event. And obviously the day the event was going on was the day that Ryzen and we had to get to the arena. So, um, what what I do want to know and get both of your opinions before I do watch the fight is the Mataferi Shevchenko fight because it was a split decision. Now, was it a fair split decision? Uh, did Roxanne actually win this fight or did Shevchenko win this fight?
2: No, Roxanne clearly she clearly won. That was a it shouldn't have been a split. It should have been unanimous. Absolutely
1: for Roxanne. For yes. Roxanne, yeah. Antonina
2: so, got whooped.
1: She got whooped. So the, so did Roxanne play her game? Get you know clinch, take her down, control her. Roxanne
0: did a little bit of everything there she just it it was more about what Antonina didn't do than what Roxanne did in in a lot of that because I mean and you even heard the corner you heard the commentary pleading for it as well like by the third round Antonina was
1: it was very clear she was out of this fight okay so unlike the the Michael Venom page and, and Paul Daly fight I should watch this one
0: it's yeah, it's worth it. Uh, I'll, right. You know what? I'll watch Roxanne Modafferi win a fight any day of the week. <laughs> she's that likable.
1: Oh yeah, she's an absolute sweetheart. James, you've interviewed her, right? Roxanne, yeah. uh,
2: I, I've done like a media scrum with her, but never like a one-on-one. Oh, deal.
1: she is a freaking gem. She is absolutely amazing. You f- you walk out of an interview with her, especially in person, y- y- your own stock value and your aura improves. She's just such a nice human being. uh I, I still can't believe she's a fighter. It drives me crazy, but. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have a look at that fight. Uh, hopefully, later on today or tomorrow.
0: Well, speaking of the nicest human beings in the world, King Mo got finished in round three <laughs> of his light heavyweight championship fight at Ryzen. Joe, Ryzen fifteen, you were there. You had a nice seat. I don't know if it was in a studio or a clock tower or. Oh, well, we were no, we were ringside. If they put you ringside. Yeah. Um, fun show. As as is tradition, Horaguchi wins. Nasakawa wins. What do you think
1: of this, Joe? What, explain to me your experience. Well, it's always a fantastic experience uh, going to cover the event or going to call the play by play. I mean, it's it, it was unbelievable. I mean, it, what I always try and do, and you guys know me well enough that I'm going to stay politically correct. I don't show. I do my best not to show any sort of bias whatsoever uh, when I'm calling fights. Uh, but there were some times in in some of the boats where I was like, well. Let, let, let me. I don't mean to rock the boat here, and I'm, I'm never guilty of doing that. But I thought I had to uh, with some of the fights, the so Damian Brown takeda fight. Um, I, I was. It was at the point where I was like, "Hey, man, like you, you're here fighting in Japan. You're not fighting anywhere else. The, the the only way you generally get asked to return is by putting on, you know, performance of the nights." Uh, I didn't think Damian Brown did that, although he did emerge victorious. And it's a it's a tough fight. He's gone through a lot, especially with his PTHD Um, or PTSD. Excuse me. Uh, so good on him. He, he did what he had to do. I was very impressed with uh, Kanako Murata. Uh, she took that fight on five oh, days. Oh, were you? Yeah, were you? Yeah.
0: Let's talk about that finish.
1: Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so for those that watched the fight and heard me and Frank calling it, the angle of the Von Fluchoke choke was on the opposite side of us. It was amazing. It was ridiculous, and we had a ta- we had a a, a really in depth conversation afterwards, especially with uh, Jason Herzog. Uh, and he brought up the same thing that I brought up whenever um, uh, OSP gets that Von Flucho that, that Sean and I had discussed, is the difference of when you're wearing gloves and when you're not wearing gloves and the ability to trap at where the glove starts, making it impossible to pull out. Uh, and, and the way Murata had set it up, because uh, she was in Mount, and I was like, yes. well, she's got to figure this out. And, and, blah, and next thing you know, we saw the tap, and we're like, whoa, what just happened here? because we couldn't see the opposite side. Even our screen that had the, the actual footage from Fuji TV or what they were recording live to tape, we couldn't see that side. Uh, so before we could even look at each other, Frank and I and say, was that a bomb flu choke? It was done. It was absolutely fantastic. So uh, I, I'm telling you guys right now, both you two, everyone tuning in right now, everyone listening to the show later on, uh, remember the name Kanako Murata. You're going to hear a lot more about her very, very soon. Uh, as for the main event main event was a bit of a challenge because, you know, Muhammad Lawal didn't look – I mean, he fatigued. He fatigued. It could be age. It could just be – it is what it is. Prohaska just kept putting the pressure on. Uh, he emerged victorious. And, of course, you know, Nasukawa, despite coming off that exhibition boxing fight loss to, to Floyd Mayweather, just looked ridiculous. I mean, his opponent, Fritz Byaghtan, was just taking a beating and just kept coming back, coming back, coming back. So good on Fritz for taking it, but eventually – uh, the better fight won, and then Horiguchi is just Horaguchi. I mean, the speed. Ben Nguyen tried to take away space. Did his very best to take away space, and Horaguchi had none of it. Just destroyed him. It was unbelievable.
0: Horiguchi is amazing. I got to see him and Mighty Mouse fight again at some point. I don't yeah. know how it will happen, but I, I would love to see that happening. Uh, the Von choke has turned into a running joke on this show that is a legit offensive tactic now. Like, if you give someone uh, like Murata that little bit of space she makes it work and I've I've not seen one pulled off an MMA like this so I love that I thought that was very cool uh really awesome let's talk about King Mo this is a guy who I'm sure the three of us remember as 27 year old prospect out of Sengoku that had that was highly touted and he talked about Oh, I fight at money weight. I'll fight at whatever weight. And he has done that throughout his career. He is the guy that went on a run and beat Gegard Musashi in an absolutely dreadful fight, boring fight. I was there live. And uh, ever since then, it's been up and down. He did have that outstanding streak in Bellator and and Ryzen for a while, but he's had an issue with consistency. And uh, a lot of that, you know, has been highlighted by the back of Emmanuel Newton's hand, but of late there, he he never has had a streak like this, where he's like two and five you know, over seven fights, where he's lost three fights in a row. Oh, by the way, he got finished in all three of those fights, and they were all within the last year. James, what what do you see for the future of a King Mo? Because he he is not at that level anymore.
2: Yeah, it's it's getting to that point where, you know, we need to have that talk. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, when you start losing like this, where you're getting knocked out consecutively, it, it's bad news. I mean, we saw this with Chuck Liddell. Um, you know, I think Moe's in that territory now. Now, granted, he's fighting really good guys. I mean, Bader, Liam McGeary, uh, you know, Yuri. Um, But nonetheless, um, it I, I don't know how much is left for him. Like, I think at this point, um, you know, it's probably best for him to... To, to quit while he's ahead, maybe get one more fight for rise and get it, get sort of a tomato can in there, come off a win. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he can't compete at a high level anymore. That's the reality of it. You know, consider what he's gone through with injuries. I mean, remember he had that staff infection. There, there were, there were times you- died. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, the fact that he was able to overcome that and go on, I mean, there was a point between 2014 and 2015, including the one over Yuri, the last time they fought in Ryzen, where he was on like a, an incredible winning streak. So that, that yeah, King Mo, unfortunately, is gone. I think he's what, two and uh, six in his last, uh, two and five in his last uh, seven fights. So uh, yeah, it's, it's not looking good for a 38-year-old in King Mo.
0: And it's very clear. He's fought the likes of Phil Davis, Crocott, Bader, McGeary. And then when he takes on Jiri. I think that's the point where you say no more. I I like your idea of him facing maybe an easy opponent. That way in the future, if he ever does get the itch to come back, he can at least say that he's coming off of a win or or something like that. I Honestly, wouldn't hate if Bellator booked him against Tito or something like that. They could throw that on there and watch that misery just unfold. Joe, you had a front row seat to see this. What are you expecting out of King Moe?
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to say, to be honest with you, but, um, you know, no, no hard feelings against the guy. It's just, it's, sometimes you get to a point in your career where um, you, you just can't compete at that high level anymore. And we saw it in this uh, Prohaska fight because uh, as Prohaska, I mean, King Mo's corner was just, I mean, I don't know if you guys caught it on the mic because, we, because it's, it was over to our left, uh, but they were pleading with him, pleading with him, just take him down to the ground, stop exchanging. And then when he did try to go get some takedowns, uh Yuri either got up or defended uh but by the time he was able to defend them you know mo was tired mo was exhausted in that third round so uh it's tough to say sometimes um i, I don't know if he just got too comfortable with this you know striking got to go back to the well do what you're good at and just take him down take him down and control him and if you got to win that way try and get a tko or judges decision that's fine but uh again it was what it was what can you do uh i, I don't know where he goes from here uh, like James said, maybe it's time we had that talk.
0: Ryzen, uh, as a whole, very fun show and a very uncharacteristic, like what, five decisions in a row? Didn't never see that coming on a Ryzen show, Joe. So
1: that was the conversation that I had with with our, our liaison and as well as Frank Trigg, because as the night was going on, I'm not used to calling decisions. Yeah. Right? We they, they happen. They happen at every single Ryzen event but not at the frequency that was going on, going on. And some of the, the excitement factor wasn't there for some of the fights because some of them were just ridiculously awesome. Uh, but you got to give credit where credit is due. Fighters still sometimes get in there and they neutralize each other. Styles will neutralize styles and it is what it is. But um, yeah, as always, you always, you're, you're expecting more from a rising uh, event sometimes. And, and, and it was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Cause there were finishes, but there, I think you're right. There were more decisions that uh, or, or more fights that went long than we expected.
0: What do you think is next for Kyoji
1: Horiguchi? Oh, damn it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be a title fight. There's got to be him defending that title. Um, it, it's tough to say. I know Manel Cape really wants to get that rematch. He's he's angling for the title. Manel did emerge victorious. Um, what do I think is next for, for Horiguchi? Bellator. He's got to fight Darian Caldwell in New York. I think that's what they're going to start working on. And I think they want to... Because the, the way... Ryzen and Bellator, that relationship and the way it's working. And, and, and I'll tell you something right now, guys. There's a bit of a relationship with Ryzen and the, the UFC. Uh, nothing big, nothing spectacular, but don't be surprised if you start seeing uh, fighters uh, going back and forth. Um, but in terms of Horiguchi, that fight, uh, when is it, June or July in New York for, for Bellator? I think they're going to angle to get that, that rematch with uh, Caldwell and try and get that Bellator gold around Horiguchi's waist.
0: I think that's, that would be a good thing because a star who's not necessarily a big star in the UFC could go over to Ryzen, add a little bit of name value to a card, and then somebody like Horaguchi can come over to the UFC if so desired and really get a high-level performance, beat a lot of their guys. Uh, I'm thinking like, hey, is is Masakatsu still fighting? Is he still in Pancras?
1: I think is, so. I mean, he's been, I don't actually I don't think he's fighting. I don't think he's fighting.
0: I think he fought last year. Did he? I, I think last year he fought for their bantamweight title. Wow. Throw him in there against Horaguchi. Let Horaguchi avenge that loss. Why not?
1: Why not? Yeah, Stone Stone Osborne. I don't. I don't think they'll do a co-promotion with uh, with one. I don't think it's going to happen at all. Uh, Joseph Bozo did mention that it's Bellator two twenty two. Uh, that's that's the Chael and Leoto Machida fight. Uh, but Joseph Bozo posed a good question on the chat i think you us two should sort of or sorry us three should discuss quickly uh he stated kyoji horiguchi has won 12 straight should the ufc be embarrassed that they let him go yeah
2: i mean he was
0: he if that is the best place to fight then for sure james what do you think
2: yeah, absolutely. I, and the, like, I, I understand why they released him, but you, if you want to call yourself the best organization in the world, you don't just let someone like that go that's like extremely talented. There's a few guys that they've released that, you know, maybe at the time were like, ah, whatever. But I mean, that's one that's going to bite them because he's so talented. And, you know, just look, look at the guys he's defeated. It's just, it's incredible what he's been able to do even after leaving the UFC.
1: Yeah. I don't think he was technically released per se by the UFC. Uh, I believe the offer wasn't what they were happy to accept. Therefore, what in essence, and, and the fact that um, Horiguchi's master was dying of cancer, uh, he'd also decided, you know what, I want to go back home. I want to compete at home. I want my master to come to my, to my fights. Uh, he, he passed away last year, uh, but he was able to come to, to some of you know, Horiguchi's fights. That was a massive uh, decision for, for Horiguchi to make because he said, you know what, this is who created me. This is who brought me. This is what I want to do moving forward. I'm still young. I can, I can still do a lot of things. Remember, he trains at ATT in Coconut Creek. So he's in the States a lot. Um, So, and, you know, I even had a conversation with Mike Thomas Brown at length uh, about Kyoji and just the smiles that Mike Brown has on his face every time you mention uh, Horiguchi. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I think this Bellator fight is going to take place. Uh, I don't think the UFC is all that upset, especially that he was competing at 125 then. Now he's fighting really at 135 uh, for Ryzen. So you can imagine some of the names and you go up and down this list uh, of the top 15. Um, you tell me where he would slot in and you look at some of these names, a uh, top 15 at the UFC ranking. So yeah, I think Horiguchi would do just as good as he's doing right now in rising as he would in the UFC. So
0: speaking of Bellator, we have a, uh, Bellator show coming up this weekend. Uh, we've talked about the possibility of Horiguchi coming over and fighting Darian Caldwell over there, but pretty stacked show all things considered, at least as far as name value goes, uh, Not on the prelims, of course, because it is Bellator. And they're kicking off with Gaston Bayanos on that show. But where it really picks up, a rematch, Phil Davis versus Liam McGeary. This might not be the most exciting fight in the world. We're not going to pretend that. But uh, Phil Davis, still a, a former champion. Liam McGeary, a former champion. James, this is a fight that I think that Phil Davis needs to win to stay relevant because of the Dimkov fight and uh, him losing that. And for Liam McGeary, it's the same thing. It's a fight for relevance in this division, in this company. I look at Phil Davis, and he stands a much better chance of winning this than than Liam McGeary for any number of reasons. The downward trend of Liam McGeary's career. uh, Liam McGeary isn't getting any any younger. He's 36 now. I don't know if he has the tools to put away Phil Davis because Phil Davis has never been knocked out. He's never been submitted. Uh, nothing, no, it, it doesn't happen. How do you see this fight going, and uh, what do you see for the winner?
2: 30 27, Phil Davis <laughs> uses his wrestling. Yeah. It's not going to be a great fight. I, I think really what it comes down to is they're hoping Phil will do something where he can finish this fight and show something because really, I mean, he he only has himself to blame for that last fight because it went the distance. I mean, he's got to start finishing fights, and that's what happens. Uh, you know, that that's what champions do. That's what a lot of these guys are able to do is they, they're able to finish their opponents. Now, he's not fighting easy guys, but you still have to go in that extra gear and, and get it done, and I think Phil sometimes relies too heavily on his wrestling. And for McGeary, I mean, they're not that far apart in age. Like uh, Davis is 34. McGeary is 36. It's not like a huge gap. But I know what you mean in the terms of like, I think McGarry just hasn't really been the same since he was the title holder. Um, you know, he's, he really needs to win this. I think if he loses this, we might not see him much longer in Bellator. And for Davis, I think they're hoping a finish will happen. But if I'm putting money on this, if I'm like a betting man, it's going to be thirty twenty seven Phil Davis out wrestling him. And they're going to wonder why he couldn't finish this fight.
0: When I watched that Tito fight, I looked at it and I said, you know what? If Tito gets 10 cracks at Liam McGarry, Tito might beat him five times. Like that's, I didn't see it beyond that Emmanuel Newton fight. Speaking of Emmanuel Newton, Phil Davis came into Bellator and finished Emmanuel Newton and finished Francis Carmoton. And we're all thinking, wow, UFC screwed up. This is the, this is the, the Phil Davis. The exciting Phil Davis hasn't been that way ever since he had the Linton Vassell KO, but took three rounds to get there too. Other than that, it's been decisions and long decisions. I think he's going to grind this out. I know that heavyweight is not in his immediate future like it was for Vassell or Bader. He told me that he wants to uh, stick around at light heavyweight, and then when he does move to heavyweight, if he does, Joe, it'd be a permanent move. Uh, are you uh, joining us on the Phil Davis prediction?
1: I'm going to go first round knockout Phil Davis.
2: Hey, Joe's just going to do that to say I proved you, I proved your own. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why
1: not? Honestly, on paper. Yes, you guys are bang on. Uh, it's looking like a three round unanimous decision uh, for Phil Davis, but I can't sit here and agree with both of you on that. I'm going to go Phil Davis first round TKO. How's that?
2: I like it.
0: Ben Henderson in action. I also spoke to him for the site he's taking on. Adam Piccolotti. Adam is uh, riding a two fight winning streak. He's had, I think he started off his Bellator career with like five or six wins in a row, drop fights to Yamuchi and Dave Rickles. So he's had some trouble, not even at the higher echelon, but one maybe a few notches below that. Uh, ben Henderson is doing pretty well of late. Honestly, uh, he's got he's really turned things around since that that early struggle in Bellator, and he's beaten Roger Huerta and Syed Awad. I don't know what beating Roger Huerta means these days, but he did it, and uh, it's good to see him in the in the cage again. Uh, ben Henderson is a guy that I always at least enjoy the idea of watching Joe. Maybe not always in practice, but I go into his fight saying, you know what, that'll probably be pretty good. I fully expect him to take this, probably by decision. The last time that he's uh, finished somebody uh, and it wasn't a submission or an injury was like, I think WEC days. So I don't think that he's going to brutally knock out anybody, but I could see him scoring a submission or maybe writing out a decision. Uh, what says you, Joe?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think he emerges victorious in this fight. Here, uh, it's been a long time since so he's got it since he got a, a submission victory. That was against Brendan Brendan Thatch. Um, no, sorry, no, that was actually Huerta. But before that, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brendan Thatch. Okay, well, <laughs> you're saying, uh, I, I, listen, there, there, there's a certain vintage gene in all of our DNAs that that just. Opines to look back at some of our favorite fighters or guys that are we, or girls that we've seen compete for such a long time to, to have those vintage performances. And I think um, Benson Henderson will always have that within me to say, you know what, this guy can pull off a, a crazy knockout or a crazy submission.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his
1: venue never misses a beat. Call, quitgrainger.com, or just stop by.
2: Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Uh, because, I mean, the, the brutality that he used to bring to the cage was never, ever respected. And I got to see it firsthand in person, which perhaps didn't translate as well. Uh, when you're watching it on a broadcast, but this guy's a bad man and he can still do it. It's just a matter of you know getting everything uh, on point. I think uh, we'll see a great performance by him uh, at this, in this next fight here.
2: How about you, James? I wouldn't count out Adam Piccolotti in this fight, to be honest. Uh, I, th- I think we have not seen the best version of him yet. I mean, we saw a really good performance he had over Carrington Banks, who I think at the un- at the time had maybe lost one fight or was undefeated. Um, so that was a good win for him, uh, you know. And and they actually, uh, I'm sure you guys know this, but you know, he trains at American Kickboxing Academy, and actually he's sort of been a protege of Josh, Josh Thompson. And if you remember, Thompson fought Henderson, so I wonder if there's some good insight there as far as uh, you know the game plan and all that. I actually spoke to both of these guys. Um, I-, I think this is going to be a close fight. I think if you again, you had to put. A gun in my head, 3027 Benson Henderson. I think, you know, the wrestling might just be a little bit better on that end. But again, I think Piccolotti's one of those guys. I know he's 30, he's not like a young, you know, spring chicken or anything, but I think every fight we're seeing something different. And I think this could be a fight where he could capitalize because. The win over Syed Awad was good. The win over Roger Huerta it tells us nothing because Huerta's been basically not the same since he left Bellator. And, um, and you know, I, I, think, I think this could be a closer fight than people think. I'm curious to see the odds on this. I imagine Henderson will probably be like a two-to-one favorite, but um, I, I think Piccolotti is absolutely a game uh, game opponent.
0: Yeah, I can't find odds for anything but the main event so far. Yeah, same here. Um, co-main event a title match. Alimale McFarlane, somebody that Bellator obviously wants to be a big star and is putting in the work to do so. They gave her the star treatment, uh, in Hawaii. She's back in action against Veta Artega. Artega five and two. She's got two losses in Bellator, uh, had a bit of a winning streak uh, since then and won two fights in a row. I think that Alimale McFarlane is, is a more well-rounded fighter. Uh, there's always the threat of a submission with Alima Malay McFarlane. James, I'm interested on your take because thus far, Alima Lay McFarlane in her amateur and pro career has not tasted defeat and uh, not as much adversity as, as a lot of women. That is something I guess that you could say that Ortega ha- has battled, but I, I see Alima Lay McFarlane running away with this one.
2: Yeah, I never like to overlook an opponent, but I have to here. I mean, I think at this point, they're just giving, uh, you know, just keeping uh, lay active. Uh, You know, she really should be in the UFC where she can really test herself because, I mean, they're running out of contenders at this point. Um, You know, I thought, I think Ortega has a nice winning streak heading into this one, but it's nothing Alima hasn't seen. I mean, her win over Valerie Letourneau was super impressive. And, you know, Valerie's fought at the highest level in the UFC, fought for a strawweight title. Um, I, I just, you know, the fact that she was able to do that in Hawaii all that pressure and everything, and get that done makes me think she can beat pretty much anyone. She's she's got a good training camp too. Like you know, she trains at San Diego Combat Academy with you know Liz Carmouche and Pearl Gonzalez, so she's getting a lot of different looks. Um, it's going to be another second round submission. Uh, you know, she'll have another dominant win, and then they'll just line up whoever's next. But Alima is the real deal. I think she's awesome.
1: Joe, yeah, I think the submission victory is going to happen here. I know that. Um, like I, I'm just looking at her record right now, and you know Ar- Artiega. Her, her, her last win was a guillotine choke, so it doesn't mean she can grapple with Leia properly, McFarlane, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm just going with the champ here. I think she's, she's got plenty of time to, to secure a, a takedown. Uh, if she can do it early in a round, I think she emerges Victorious.
0: Lea McFarland has stayed so active throughout her career, too. I think she started fighting as an amateur in 2014, and since then, I think she's got 14 fights. So I mean, that's very, very active and uh, she's doing that throughout her late 20s. The win over Valerie Letourneau, like, I look at Valerie Letourneau, and I'm like, I don't know what Ortega can offer that Valerie couldn't, and she still couldn't get it done. Main event, Bellator Welterweight Grand Prix Tournament, also a Welterweight title fight. John Fitch challenges Rory McDonald. Now, Rory McDonald is a massive favorite here, and I think for good reason. I don't see John Fitch taking this one. James, I know that you were able to speak to John Fitch at least in the months leading up to the fight. Uh, How do you feel?
2: Yeah, I, I I think the line is a little high just because you never know. I mean, Rory's had a couple of fights that you know where he's taken a beating, like the like the Lawler fight, and then you know coming off that loss to Musasi, which was completely one sided. You wonder how you can keep coming back and improve. Um, if you're looking at this on paper, I mean, clearly Rory has all the advantages in the stand up. I think even wrestling, I think he you know can neutralize a lot of those uh, takedowns from John Fitch. Um, but yeah, I I will not be. I mean, if you're if you're going to bet this fight, the money is on John for sure. I mean, he could. If he, he's been off for a while, but really isn't taken that much damage in his last couple of fights. And I think, you know, his durability, and, and there's a lot to be, you know, uh, said about, you know, his career as well, in terms of some of the wins that he's had. But uh, Rory should get this done. I, I imagine this isn't going to be an exciting fight. I think it's going to be kind of the type of fight where uh, Rory's going to kind of just play it safe and get the win, because that's really what he needs here. I mean, um, I don't think he's done. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, after losing the way he did to Musasi, he'll never be the same. They said that about Lawler, and look, he beat Paul Daly, beat Douglas Lehman. Like clearly he's not done yet. Um, I, I think he'll get the win, but I I I have a feeling this could be kind of a very unappealing fight. But Rory will just go out there, have the smart game plan, get it done, get a decision here. I do think it will go the distance. I think Rory will get his hand raised.
0: I do too. And I think that's probably the last thing that Bellator wants. They probably want a quick finish. That way they can move on with the tournament and that Rory McDonald can gain a little bit more buzz. I hope that's how it unfolds from a, a visual perspective, Joe. What do you think is going to happen? And new
1: Bellator Champion. Ah. <laughs> You're lying. He's gonna win. Fitch will win. Fitch will win. Mark my
2: words. Decision? How does he get it done, Joe? Let's hear it. Uh TKO fourth he round. Did bring
1: a gun in the ring? TKO fourth round.
2: <laughs> okay. I, I have could, to go I...
1: against you guys. I have to. I can't I can't go on the on the bandwagon.
2: Let, I'm Roy trying to find John bandwagon. Fitch's last win by knockout here uh when was the civil war
1: 1812 i believe it was yeah no he, he wins by tko okay
2: Board his around. last tko win get this guys i could be wrong with this unless i'm scrolling too fast tiago Alves, <laughs> june 2006 <laughs> proves my point <laughs> i love he's, the fact that you had to scroll he's yeah. due
1: in this decade <laughs> the numbers prove it he's due in this decade it's gotta oh, happen
0: man Rory McDonald's winning this fight. We will have coverage of Bellator. I'm doing a post show after
1: all that, but we also have UFC Fort Lauderdale this weekend. I'm just looking to see if Faraz is texting me now, and calling me uh, every name in the book. Oh man. He will. He'll I like it.
2: John Fitch by the way. He's he's a really good interview. A lot of a lot of interesting stuff even outside the cage. But <laughs> yeah. no, uh no right he is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like likes to do different things with his wrestling figurines, but whatever. Yeah.
0: UFC Fort Lauderdale this weekend. Some interesting names on this show. Let's start with the prelim card, and uh, we're going to give you all some betting odds as well. Court McGee, a minus 160. Diego Lima, a plus 140. You have Angela Hill stepping in, late notice, to uh, face Jody Escabel, But Angela's a minus 325. Escabel a plus 265. Then you have Jim Miller, a minus 140. Jason Gonzalez, a plus 120. Well, I look at that, and this is the early prelim show. Jody Escabel, maybe some value on her. Anybody who's in a late notice fight, quite like that. You have Court McGee, who is yeah, he has been around the block a little bit. He's he's done some things, hasn't exactly stayed consistent. And then you have Jim Miller. I will always watch Jim Miller fight. I don't give a damn. But uh, when when you look at this, I, I it is even even though he's one and one in his last two, always a must win for Jim Miller if he's coming off the of loss because you're gonna have people saying. Is it time for retirement? It, has he has he taken too much damage? Yada yada. Joe, uh, your thoughts on these early prelims and some of the personalities
1: involved. Court McGee wins. Jody Escabel wins. Jim Miller wins.
2: James. I think Diego Lima is a live dog here, to be honest. I really liked his win over Chad Laprise in his last fight, and McGee is, you know, obviously durable. Uh, you know, he you have to basically go and kill this guy if you want to beat him. He's he's very difficult, and we saw that in the last fight against Alex Garcia. But I don't know, man. Diego Lima, he's I, I was I I did not think he was going to beat Chad Lapriz and he did. So I, I'd be curious to see. I don't know if I'll pick him, but um, I certainly think there's value there. Escobar is interesting because, um, you know, while she she had a really tough opponent in her debut uh, when she fought uh, Carolina. Um, and she and went what we... the
1: distance with her too right
2: yeah and then she had to fight Jessica Aguilar like it's tough to see where she really is uh, because you know those are two really good opponents, and Angela Hill has been super disappointing. I mean, the way she lost to random Mark, like random Marcos doesn't submit people in the first round. Like in the last like four years, and she got submitted in the first round against Randa. So uh, looking to bounce back here, I think Escobar for sure is a live dog as well here. Um, I because again we don't know how good she's been. She's been in the lab basically working. She was supposed to fight Penne, and then Penne breaks her ankle or busts her ankle before they're supposed to fight, and then Penny's out of this fight. So I think Escobal's interesting, and I like Jim Miller over Jason Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez hasn't fought since I think August. Of 2017, uh, his best win is J.C. uh in, you know, way back in 2017. So, I'm sorry, yeah, um, sorry, Gonzalez hasn't fought since yeah, it was um, September 2017, Gregor Gillespie. But still, uh, I, yeah, I, th- I think Miller's got the experience edge in that one. So I'll go Miller. I'll go Escobar. I think Escobal can pull this off, and I'll and I'll go Diego Lima as well. I, I say he pulls this off too.
0: Speaking of Panay, is there any update, James, on how severe her injury is or when she might be back? Because as I'm looking at you, know, she she's off that Usada thing. She's th-
2: lost three fights in a row. She has not won since 2014. She must be steaming right now. Must be really, uh, you know. God. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, you know, she's just been treated like a like a side dish. Uh, you know, it seems with her injuries, it's just crazy. Like I don't know. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, I I mean, she could be cut here. I mean, isn't this like you know coming on like Dave Terrell territory? Oh like, my. Um I I mean uh you know we we've seen fighters where they just they they've been so injured they just can't compete and the UFC's cut them and I, Penny is you know it's not like she's uh, coming off a bunch of wins she has a bunch of losses so to answer your question no I don't know I just wanted to make some puns
0: Yeah she really got sauced in that Joanna
1: fight
2: oh, but I <laughs> <gonna>
1: say that
2: <laughs>
1: But uh,
0: <laughs> the prelim card Carla Esparza in action against Virna Jan Daroba. and Jan DeRoba is the favorite here, yeah. And she's a highly touted prospect, she's undefeated, uh, fresh off of three wins in a row in Invicta. And as we know, that gets you a UFC contract that's like a golden ticket for those women's divisions. Uh, Carla Esparza, a former UFC champion, but she's at plus 100. Uh, Jan Daroba is minus 120. You also have Andre Arlovsky, at 120. Uh, Augusto Sakai, a minus 140, not enough for me to put any money on because it's heavyweight and it's Andrei Arlovsky, and man, those fights can be boring. Then you have Ben Saunders, who even at plus 180 is always a live dog to me. He's taking on Takashi Sato, a, a highly touted prospect out of Pancrase, a minus 220. Joe, any predictions for these fights? And you got a couple of former UFC champions on these prelims.
1: Yeah, I think uh, as far as emerges victorious in this fight here, I don't know. Um, I I I'd put five on her for sure. Uh, the Arlovsky and Sakai fight—it's very difficult to say because you know it's it's our, our, which Arlovsky is going to show up. He's eventually you know father time's got to catch up to him. So maybe I'll lean towards Sakai in this fight here. And then the Ben Saunders Sato fight—I'm uh, going to lean towards Sato in this fight because I guess you can make the argument that Ben Saunders, at his, in his career right now, is almost like that welterweight gatekeeper. How good are you? If you can't beat Ben Saunders, you don't belong in this division. You don't belong in the UFC. If Sato does emerge victorious, then he belongs in this division, right? Saunders is just trying to keep his job.
2: James, how about you? Uh, well, We missed Gilbert Burns and Mike Davis as well, and I like oh, Gilbert yeah. Burns in that fight. Uh, Mike Davis, if you remember, was on Contender Series, and then he won recently at Island Fights, so he's getting a shot here. But Gilbert Burns, always dangerous. If, if, I'm if you, if
1: Gilbert you, Burns in that fight, by the way.
2: Yeah, if, if he makes weight, um, he, he should be fine, because I know he's had some struggles getting down to 55, but I like him. Uh, the, as far as, uh, yeah, that, that fight's interesting. The thing I wonder with Carla is, um, you know, she really got mauled in her last fight. Like, uh, you know, if you thought the fight against Joanna was bad, I mean, uh, Tatiana Suarez completely dominated her. And, you know, I remember when she lost to Ioana and, the, and she took some time off and then came back and fought Juliana Lima in what was one of the most boring, safe fights you'll ever see because she just needed to get a win just to get back on the winning track. I have a feeling she might try that here. And if that's the case, I think she'll lose. Um, so I actually kind of like uh, Janaroba here. Um, I, I understand the value here in Esparza. But, I mean, you can't you can't keep losing like that. Like that, that Again, that was such a beatdown that, that Suarez put on. It's tough to come back. Orlovsky and Sakai flip a coin. Neither have been that impressive. Um, you know, maybe I'd lean towards... Uh, what are the odds at right now? I mean, Arlovsky's is an underdog. I mean, he could probably yeah. win. Yeah, I, I, I might throw some cash on him. Um, and then, yeah, Saunders sato Typical fight, uh, you know, prospect versus veteran. I'll go with the prospect in this one. Saunders, unfortunately, just taken too much damage in his career. And I think he may take some more in this fight on Saturday.
0: Roosevelt Roberts, a massive favorite, minus 410. Thomas Gifford, a plus 330. I have Roosevelt Roberts running away with this. One. You got to believe the UFC wants that as well, James.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I, trust me, don't count out Thomas Gifford. This is a guy a couple times in the regional scene was given opponents that he was supposed to lose to, and Trey Ogden especially, um, and and he just goes out there, there and, uh, and gets the finish. And you look at the experience edge. I mean, Griffin's got way more fi- – Gifford, I should say, has got way more fights than Roberts. Um, I, I mean, I, I think Roberts will win. I think as far as the two prospects go, Roberts has the bigger upside. Um, but, but Gifford, don't count him out. We talked him on Fightful. I mean, this guy has been – paying his dues uh on the regional scene and finally got linked up with a good management team and got his ticket to the ufc so um yeah don't count out thomas gifford in this fight but i'll my, my pick will be roosevelt roberts but for sure at my uh what's his what's the odds out right now plus 330 yeah I'll, I'll put some money on thomas gifford for sure
0: good head of hair on him too
2: yep
1: <laughs>
0: john lineker a guy that we've spoken about a lot recently because of People popping for EPO it was fighting a guy in Corey Sanhagen, who hopefully does not pop for EPO. Sanhagen at plus one fifteen. John Lineker a minus one thirty-five. This is a good fight. I really like this fight. Uh, John Lineker, as we mentioned, has only ran into those issues when it is somebody who's got a little bit of a questionable background in that in that degree. San Hagen's getting a real opportunity here. He beat Austin Arnett. He beat Alcantara. Uh, he had that submission win over uh, Batista. But he's got three finishes. He's got a fight of the night along the way. He's 3-0 three and, three and in the UFC. Joe, this is a real opportunity for San Hagen. But I'm still picking Lineker to win this. And I think that he might do it in fantastic fashion.
1: Yeah, I think Lineker emerges victorious in this fight, to be honest with you. I mean, if Sanhagen wins, we'll be having a really good conversation uh, about him on Tuesday. But right now, I think just the way things are going, Lineker is not going to give him any space. As long as he's careful, uh, doesn't get clinched or get taken down, I think he emerges victorious.
2: James, there's there's levels to the bantamweight division. I think Corey Sanhagen's going to find that out. You know, people have sort of, uh, you know, I hate to use this word romanticize about Corey Sanhagen just because of that that uh, fight with uh, Yuri Alcantara where he was losing and he came back and he's super exciting. And then his last fight was another highlight real finish against a guy who really shouldn't have got the UFC call up, in my opinion. Um, I, I think we're going to see the the true Corey Sanhagen that he's tough as hell, but Lineker is going to find a way to finish this fight. I think he's still extremely talented. Um, you know he's he's up there in that conversation and kind of a guy who gets forgotten because he's had you know fights canceled and things like that. So I expect Lineker to get the finish here, but uh, Sanhagen's uh, you know very tough to put away and in my opinion has the best social media handle, Coors Light, playing off Coors Light, <laughs> which is a uh, beer, obviously.
0: Talk about a a real gatekeeper line. Glover Teixeira minus one ten. Ian Cutilaba minus one ten. This could be big for Cutilaba. Two straight finishes. He's had some trouble getting into the cage of late. I know that uh, uh, he had to pull out, I think, in January because of an injury. This fight was supposed to happen. But uh, Glover Teixeira instead got to fight Carl Roberson, which uh, that win makes this fight look a little bit more enticing to me because uh, is coming off a win. He's won two of his last three. If you don't belong in that top ten, he's probably going to beat you, he being Glover Teixeira. 39 years old he is not getting any younger Cutilaba the opposite. oh I mean he's not getting any younger but he's 25 years old. This could be
2: a career changing fight for Ian Cutilaba James. do you think he gets it done? I don't. I think Glover gets it done in this one. Uh, just you look at the experience, you look at, uh, you know, the fact that I, I realized uh, you know, is a finisher and he's a guy that, you know, is always dangerous on the feet no matter where it goes. Um, you know, we saw that in his last fight against Antigulov. Uh, but but I think Glover weathers the storm and he, and he gets a decision here. I really do. I think he can uh, pull this one off just with the experience and and everything else. Um, I, I don't think we can count this guy out just yet. He's one of those guys where age doesn't seem to matter. I realized there was, there was a period there, you know, when he was on his losing streak where you're kind of like, uh Might be the end of him, but he's, he's, you know, he's got nine lives. He's like a cat. He can keep coming back. So I think to share takes this one, Joe Glover, I'm taking Glover in this fight here uh, to take nothing
1: away from Cody, but I think, I don't think Glover's done just yet. I think he's got some, some, some wins in him. And I think he's, you know, I know we're talking about the gatekeeper aspect here, but I think he emerges victorious for sure. And with a finish,
0: talk about a good fight. Alex Oliveira, minus 185. Mike Perry, plus 160. I got Oliveira taking this one in a runaway. He's much more well-rounded. He's just a good fighter. I can't say that Mike Perry is compared to Alex Oliveira, but Mike Perry is that type of guy who he will fight absolutely anybody. doesn't matter who it is. That has led to him losing three of his last four, and the split against Paul Felder is his only win. I think the, the romanticized of... Mike Perry is long gone. I can't believe this was a guy that people wanted to fight Darren Teal at one point, uh, myself included, probably. But he is fighting a Cowboy Oliveira, who is coming off the of loss to Gunnar Nelson, and but he has he's got a, a really impressive resume, and he can finish you on the ground, on the feet. He can he can ride you out. There are a lot more ways for Alex Oliveira to win this fight, Joe, than Mike Perry.
1: Yeah, I think Olivera, I mean, Cowboy should win this fight here. I mean, we, I think you said it very, very succinctly about, you know, our romance with Mike Perry uh, and, and and the whole, this guy's an upper echelon uh, fighter at 170 pounds. Is, is pretty much long gone. He's going to have to start proving us wrong uh, and he can do so by beating Olivera, that's for sure. Uh, but on paper right now, the way I see this fight breaking down, I think Cowboy emerges victorious. James?
2: Yeah, I like Cowboy here too. It's going to stay standing. I think Max Griffin sort of still the blueprint to to beat Mike Perry is that you stay calm and composed, you pick your shots, and you you can get a victory here. And to me, Alex Oliveira is a lot better of a striker. And, uh, you know, Oliveira doesn't have to worry about the ground like he did in his last fight. So if it stays standing, which it will, because this is going to be a potential fight of the night, Oliveira is going to come out victorious. The question is, does he finish Mike Perry, or does it go the distance and it's just one of those beatdowns? I'm going to go probably a decision in this one.
0: I'm a little surprised at the betting lines for this Dmitry, Smokleyov and Greg Hardy fight. Dimitri is a plus 275, Greg Hardy a minus 335, and we've seen Greg Hardy face some adversity already. Now, I'm not accusing Dimitri of being like some world beater or anything, but he's faced some guys that are way more experienced than Greg Hardy and one. He's also faced some guys that quite frankly suck. His, his record is very padded with a lot of 0-1s and 1-1s, but... I look at him and I'm like, all right. I know that he's been training for like a decade. I think that's going to play a role in the Hardy fight. I think that he gets the win over Hardy, and he's definitely going to be one of my I got five on it. I think that we probably see him get see him tap out, um, Greg Hardy. I don't think Greg Hardy knows what a bravo choke is, much less can defend one against a guy who has a win on his record, even against a complete and utter scrub. James, am I alone in this? He he was 0-2 in his initial UFC run, uh, that being Dimitri. Can he, uh, will he get it done against Greg Hardy, or will Greg Hardy
2: continue his uh, rise? Greg Hardy will continue his rise. I'm going the other way on this one. I, I think people really overlook that Alan Crowder fight, and they, they look at it like, oh, yeah, Crowder was winning, and, and Hardy lost, and the illegal knee. And I think a lot of that is because of the stuff that Greg Hardy's done outside the cage, and I think that's blinded a lot of people. If you go watch that fight, I don't think Hardy was doing as bad as people said. Um, clearly that was a fight he was supposed to win and he didn't, but I mean, just his athleticism in the heavyweight division is a scary thing. I mean, he, he's a guy that can put any, a lot of people out, people that haven't been knocked out before he's gone out there and finished them. Um, I think you're going to see a first round knockout here. I think Hardy knows what he did wrong in that last fight. He's got another good opportunity. He knows if he loses this fight, he's out. I mean, I, there's, it'd be very tough to, to promote someone that's lost two in a row. Even, uh, you know, the, the stature that he has, they would put him. if anything, I think the UFC would put him on a fight pass show that they could at least still promote, but uh, I think Hardy gets a first-round finish here. They know what they're doing here. Smolov, uh, you know, uh, Smolov, 34 years old, um, you know, lost two fights in the UFC, got one win, and now he's back. That seems really suspect to me, and I think the UFC knows something we don't. That is they're going to get – and look, this is in Florida. Hardy trains at ATT. This is a setup fight. They want Hardy to win, and I think he will. I think he'll get a first-round finish. But I'm not betting minus 330. That's crazy. Are you surprised they didn't just rematch him with Crowder? I am a little bit just because they had sort of, you know, it ended in a bit of controversy, but at the same time, maybe they saw something in Crowder. They're like, geez, we screwed that one up. We don't want that to happen again.
1: Joe, your thoughts on this
2: co-main event?
1: Uh, James just went three for three and hit three home runs with his assessment. So, um, you know, Smolyakov, something's going on here. The fact that, A, he's in a co-main event slot against Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, once again, in a co-main event slot or, or, or high up on a card. Um, you take a look at what's happening here. I think the UFC's investment in Greg Hardy, they want to start making some of their money back. in that Crowder fight, they were like, whoa, you don't need to fight him just yet. We're going to wait a little bit. Let's get you some more experience. Let's see what you can bring to the cage this time. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it, as weird as, as it may sound, you know, what, what James said about the matchmakers potentially calling or potentially making this a setup fight. I think he's kind of bang on with that analogy because I think Hardy, they really want Greg to win. They really want Greg to win. They want to continue uh, despite all his turbulence and turmoil outside of the cage and his past. Uh, I think with the money and the promotion that they've invested in him, they want to start seeing him uh, pull off some victories and, and ideally in spectacular fashion when you put these fights together you never want to put together fights that are going to go the distance you want to put together fights that are going to see finishes and i think they see uh hardy finishing dimitri in this fight here so uh yeah, not that i agree with with you know what shelby uh or Mick are doing but i'll take greg hardy in this fight
0: Main event time, Jack Hermanson steps in, uh, replacing Yoel Romero against Jacare Souza. Souza is a minus 200, Hermanson is a plus 170. Uh, Similar to the Cutilaba glover deshera fight, but magnified significantly. This is a chance for Jack Hermanson to step up and become something special in this division. And he's already uh, looked upon fondly and all that, but Jacare is a, uh, how do I say despite win-loss, win-loss over his last four, amazingly relevant name. He's got five performance bonuses in his last six fights, so you can always expect something exciting out of him. And Hermanson, as a guy who has lost to the likes of Cesar Ferrara and Tiago Santos, this might be his best shot to rise to prominence and rise to relevance to that degree. Now, he fought just literally three weeks ago and submitted David Branch, He fought just a few months before that and submitted Gerald Mearshart. I don't think he's going to submit Jacare Souza, Joe. But uh, what kind of chances do you give him against uh, Souza in this fight?
1: I'm I'm always going to give him a chance. Uh, I don't think he's going to submit uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza in this fight. Uh, I think he needs to watch his chin. Uh, Again, we're talking about Jacare, whose skill set is sort of diminishing. Right. Uh, we're not seeing that killer as much as we used to in the past, where it didn't matter where that fight went. Uh, he's always got a chance, whether by knockout, Tiki, or submission. I just think with this matchup here, um, you know, remember, he's supposed to fight Uel Romero, right? So that, I mean, you're, you're training for a monster, you're training for a beast. Uh, you're getting a different type of one uh, in the Joker in this fight here. So it, it, it's tough to say. I just think that the moment this fight gets down to the ground, Jack's in big trouble and he's going to be, be on defense mode for a lot of this fight here. And I just think with 25 minutes, uh, unless he can really work on his... uh, I mean, he was in shape for his last fight, but didn't get to execute it because the fight ended in 49 seconds uh, against David Branch. But technically, he should be in pretty good shape. So maybe he carries uh, Jacare to the later rounds and goes for a finish. But I just think that the way Jacare fights and the way his style is set up,
2: I think he gets his fight down the ground and emerges victorious. James? <clears throat> Sorry, as I'm about choking there, uh, I think that Jacare wins this fight. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you look at this on paper, Jacare is just still at a high level, even at his age. I mean, you think he's going to slow down. You thought after the Whitaker loss, you know, he might be done. And then he goes up there and knocks out Derek Brunson. He went to a split with Calvin Gaslam or Calvin Gaslam, I should say. Um, you know, that that's not a bad loss to have. He, he knocked out Wyman in his last fight. Like you look at these losses here, Gaslam, Whitaker, Romero, like a split to Romero too in a fight that was very close. Um, you know, he, he's fighting at a high level, a lot higher, you know, a lot bigger level than the guys that Jack Hermanson has fought, you know, Talis Latis, Gerald Murshart, Brad Scott, guys like that. Um, You know, he did submit David branch. I guess it's possible he could submit Jack Ray, but I don't see that happening. Um, I think, I think just overall, I think Jack Ray is still up there and I think he's probably pissed off that he didn't get a title shot. And I think he's going to go up there and, and put on a great performance. But I will say when you've got a guy in Hermanson, who's really got nothing to lose here. He wasn't supposed to get a, a fight like this after his last win. Uh, it can be a scary thing. So, um, you know, again, uh, I think value wise, it's probably on Hermanson, but I, I think uh, you know Jacare for sure is got to be the favorite, and and he's probably going to get the win here. He's just dangerous everywhere, and I, I think Hermanson's going to be a uh, it's going to be too much for him.
0: I think uh, Souza is going to win this as well, and probably an impressive fashion. And that's usually how he wins. That's just usually how he wins. And even the Gaslam fight was that was outstanding in a loss, and that was a split decision. I think this is uh, Suze's fight. It's also time for our UFC Fort Lauderdale. I got five on it picks. I mentioned in the preview, I'm picking Dimitri, uh, a plus 275 against Greg Hardy, a minus 335. I think maybe the experience of Dimitri, even though it might be not be high level experience, could play a major factor in this fight uh, going his way. I liked James' pick of uh, the plus three thirty Thomas Gifford over Roosevelt Roberts a minus four ten. While I'm picking Roberts to win this fight, that is a very extreme line. And uh, James had a lot of good points about Thomas Gifford's chances in that regard. Then we got Angela Hill; she's a minus three twenty five. So I've got Jody Escabel at plus two sixty five. Don't know if I, I I put these odds personally really close uh, together because Escabel had been training for this fight. Angela Hill probably not. This is a late notice fight. Now I'll give anybody with that type of a betting line an opportunity in a short notice fight. Escabel uh, at plus two sixty five, some good value there. We will have coverage of this show this weekend. Joe, what do you got going on this
1: week? Same old, same old. Working away, working away, and uh, go Leafs go. Game seven tonight. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Leafs coaching, and uh, got a bunch of things that I'm working on, uh, and of course, Sean, as you know, some personal stuff that I got to deal with. But other than that, yeah, looking forward to the to the weekend. James, how about yourself?
2: Actually, like a little bit, like kind of slowing down a little bit, which is great. Uh, I right. kind, of, kind, of, kind of need a little bit of a break there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I got some interviews coming up, some stuff uh, in the horizon. Got an interview with Neil Magny that you guys will see in the next uh, little bit that I did this morning. Uh, really good stuff from him. Um, yeah, just going to, I don't know, kind of, it's, it's one of those weeks where I, things aren't crazy. So I can kind of just work on some other stuff, which is great. And uh, obviously going to be watching the card this Saturday, both cards, uh, Bellator and this one.
0: Guys, leave us a thumbs up on this video. Subscribe. All that stuff helps out a lot. James has a lot of great interviews over here. I'm doing UFC rankings updates uh, this week as well. Check out FightfulMMA.com. Join our live discussion. Hundreds, if not thousands of comments over there. Thank you, guys. Until next time, we're out.